Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy... This was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, September 20th, 2023, the 972nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Okay, so yesterday we talked about the reaction from the DeSantis simps to the Megyn Kelly interview of Donald Trump, or at least their reaction to two segments that they thought confirmed their big overarching theories about why Donald Trump is unfit to continue being president and why he absolutely must be replaced with rigged meatball. 
Dave Rubin worried that Donald Trump had been bamboozled by the public health industrial complex, the pharma companies and the global regime in his response to the very deadly pandemic for 10 months throughout the Rob Destablishment shadow campaign and then the official Rod Disaster Republican primary campaign, the DeSantis simps have attempted to make that point in a hundred different ways. Donald Trump failed the country when it comes to COVID. Ron DeSantis would have handled everything perfectly, just like he did in Florida, except the facts obviously contradict that opinion because Rob DeSantis did not handle everything perfectly in Florida. And the things that they pretend he did, he did long after they were safe to do. He did not lead the COVID resistance and they did not lead the COVID resistance. Nearly every one of them, except for maybe Jordan Schachtel, was more closely aligned with the global regime when it comes to COVID than they were with Donald Trump. COVID superfans called Donald Trump a science denier. They said he was not trusting the experts. He was not following the science. And the uniparty right villagers who now support Ron DeSantis were saying that Donald Trump was too stupid, too narcissistic, too incompetent, too weak. And they agreed that Donald Trump's stance on the very deadly pandemic was what actually made it so that our lives could not go back to normal. If he had only taken it more seriously and encouraged all his conspiracy theorist followers, all those morons and rubes to go along with the program, maybe we could have gotten out of it all earlier. That has consistently been their framing throughout this time. They've been making these claims for years now, and the claims haven't worked at all because they're simply not true. The DeSantis supporters may feel like they were on the vanguard of COVID resistance, but that is only relative to the uniparty left standard issue villagers in their lives, the people they are constantly trying to impress, the people whose approval they are always seeking as they tickle fight their way through political life. They want to show those woke progressives how smart and realistic they are. They thought COVID was a winning issue for them, but it turns out that it's not. And everybody has realized that over the last 10 months, except for these guys who continue to think that they're going to get Donald Trump on COVID, even though they've been hammering away at it this whole time. And all they've done is destroy the rising star of the GOP establishment. And then we had Matt Walsh, who is the country's leading producer of trans content and the self-declared champion of knowing who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs. He was very upset with Donald Trump because Donald Trump didn't answer the question, can a man become a woman, quickly enough. Matt Walsh and those Daily Wire guys, they know how to own the libs better than anyone, and that's why they sell mugs that say liberal tears on them. Gosh, it's so clever. What would we do without them? Donald Trump had an opportunity to own the libs so hard and he took too long to do it. And that to Matt Walsh is inexcusable. I bet if you asked Matt Walsh what he thought would happen if he and Donald Trump were matched up one-on-one in a game of who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs, Matt Walsh is certain that he would win that game in an absolute blowout. Maybe he could even get Candace Owens to make a documentary. 
And then we had Steve Dace of The Blaze, a rabid anti-Trumper throughout 2015 and 2016, who has now for eight years talked about how bad a person Donald Trump is, how unfit he is, and how awful his supporters are, but also brags about how he himself voted for Donald Trump twice. And voting for Donald Trump twice is the beard of ostensibly conservative cuckolds all around the country. That's what they say so that you can't get mad at them for attempting to destroy Donald Trump while Donald Trump is trying to set the country back on the proper course. And, you know, keep us out of wars and remove us from the central banking system. But I'm sure these guys have got it. Maybe the Daily Wire crew will be able to loosen the grip of the central bankers on the entire world simply by owning the libs so hard. Steve Dace was especially mad because he was dealing with the fact that even despite all their spectacular arguments about how bad this Megyn Kelly interview was for Donald Trump, Donald Trump's supporters just didn't believe them. Even though they were telling the objective truth, just ask them. Dave Rubin telling the objective truth. Matt Walsh, as the country's leading producer of trans content, he knows better than anyone who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs. He would never hesitate for a second when asked that question. Donald Trump took too long, therefore Donald Trump is unfit. And Steve Dace said that we were all idolaters. We have moved beyond being cultists, and now we just simply worship Donald Trump, even though if he says something we don't like, we don't go along with it. At some point, you have to think that these guys understand they're running out of chances to make their case. They have done an absolutely terrible job for 10 and a half months now, and their entire program is completely stale. Everybody's seen it. Everyone's rejected it. Ron DeSantis has gone from about 30% in the polls down to single digits in some cases. He's in third place in some states. He's in fourth place here and there. It's not working out. These guys were promised that Rob was going to win, maybe through election fraud. Maybe they all just believed the country really was ready to move on from Donald Trump, but they found out they're wrong and they're not handling it well. They thought these little sound bites from this Megyn Kelly interview were going to get them back on track, but it didn't work that way. They declared to the world that Trump supporters didn't want to touch this interview because it was so bad for Donald Trump. No one would talk about it. Well, hey, guys, let's talk about it. And while we're at it, let's talk about Donald Trump's interview with Kristen Welker. I've listened to both of these interviews now multiple times. And I would like to go through some sections that the DeSantis simps left out because I think it's important that people have an opportunity to hear from the president. Not only was the Megyn Kelly interview not bad, it was actually really good. And the Kristen Welker interview was even better for Donald Trump. Now, for the Megyn Kelly interview, after the interview itself ended, Megyn Kelly took a few minutes to give her response to the interview, what she thought of the whole thing, and she thanked her team because her team does all this research on Donald Trump and everything is super fact-checked, according to her. She sounded like she was trying to provide a preemptive defense to complaints from the Ron DeSantis simps, even though she spent that interview asking primarily the questions that they would have asked. 
She basically gave Donald Trump a chance to respond to all of those anti-Trump narratives coming from the uniparty right. Now, I'm not suggesting that Megyn Kelly was doing that as a member of the uniparty right. And I'm not suggesting that she was asking these questions as setups or gotchas. And if she was, they wouldn't have turned out that way regardless. I actually think that it's good that Donald Trump has a platform like that with an interlocutor like Megyn Kelly, giving him the opportunity to respond directly to those specific claims because those are the things they're making arguments about online. This is what Ron DeSantis's rapid response comms team is doing on behalf of Ron DeSantis. And while he claims that he's not really all that involved with the rapid response thing, they're making the same points he's making, and they're laying out the justifications for a rigged meatball candidacy. It turns out that all of those justifications are simultaneously stupid, dishonest, and immoral, but Ron says he's not all that involved, so he's not responsible for it. So let's go through some of the clips. And as I did yesterday, I'm going to try to play the entire clip, that entire segment, so we can get some of the context. And let's start with immigration. One of the DeSantis simps favorite arguments is that Donald Trump did not fulfill his promises. He said he was going to do things like drain the swamp and close the border, and he just couldn't finish the job. And in order to substantiate this claim, they simply reiterate the central narrative about these situations, understanding that their position aligns with what, quote unquote, everybody knows, which means they can pretend what they're saying is just true. So Donald Trump did not close the border. He did not finish the wall. And it wasn't easy. We built 500 miles of wall. We were going to build another 200 miles. It was under construction. Would have been done in three weeks. And they stopped it. We had a rigged election, as you probably heard, and they stopped it. They stopped this from being built. They could have had it done. They could have had it done in a period of three weeks, and they stopped it. But regardless... Can I I ask you about that, though? Because that that is one thing that your critics say would have helped to keep some of these migrants out, a wall. Whatever happened with that? Because what what Border Patrol says is we only added 46 miles. You said you're going to do 1,000. Border Patrol doesn't say that. Who says that are... Democrats when they try. So, let, let, me just, of let me set up the numbers. You tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, go ahead. You, in 16, you said that there was going to be a border wall up, up across about uh, 1,000 miles. Yeah. And you I don't know if I said 1,000, but I said whatever. I mean, it's 2,000 miles long, but we have rivers and we have. You, you have barriers. of the 2,000 miles, you need it on five to 600 miles because you have v- rivers and and desert, you have a lot of different bad conditions. So they said when Barack Obama left office, we had 654 miles covered, and that you were going to get us to 1,000, and that you only added less than 50 miles of wall. Okay, ready? You go. So what they say is that if there's a board lying on the ground, a two-by-four, that was there for 50 years and sitting there rotted, that that was a wall, and that when I added a brand-new wall that went up 30 feet and it's solid steel, concrete, and rebar, that that was not a wall because that was just a renovation. So what they do is they call it a renovation. If there are boards sitting on the ground, if there are nails, if there's steel sitting on the ground, there's no wall. But if it used to be a wall like 30, 40 years ago where they had just a fence because there were no walls, they had just like a little low fence or a barrier so that cars couldn't come across and it was rotted and laying on the ground, they don't give me credit for a wall. But they do actually because if you look at the numbers, they say I built almost 500 miles of wall. I built almost 500. 
some of that was wood laying on the ground that we took away, threw away, and we built a brand new wall. So what they're trying to say is that we built 50 or 60 miles of wall because there were 50 or 60 where there was never anything. But any wall that was there was uh, decrepit. It was gone. It was rusted. It was rotted. It was laying on the ground. And we would actually just take it away. Then we built a, you know, a really incredible new wall. You know, the wall that was built was built to the specifications of the border patrol. I was going to do concrete plank, and they said, you have to be able to see through. You have to, you know, and they wanted steel, not concrete. And they wanted inside the steel concrete. And then they wanted rebar inside that. So it was a complicated thing. And it was built to the highest specification. I didn't want to build something that all of a sudden they say, you know, it's no good. You can't see through it or something. Mm -hmm. And we built almost 500 miles. And they admit that. But what they try and do is they say, oh, there was wall there before. It wasn't wall. It was a board laying on the floor. That might have been a wall years ago. I just, well, now it's a President very Biden's selling off. He's selling off the materials that, no, it's you, terrible. Had, that you had allocated for new wall. Well, but, just but so this- you know, so I built almost 500 miles. Then we were going to add 200 miles. We thought we were going to yeah. easily win the election, but the election, uh, bad things happened. So what happened, including COVID, you know, COVID gave them a way of cheating. So what happened is I was going to add another 200. We would have had 700 miles, which is really a good number. You needed 500. 700 would have really closed it up. After we built the almost 500, we were going to add another 200. Everything was bought. All we had to do is lift it up and do it. And they actually carted it away. I said, you know, these people really want to have open borders here. Now, I think this response is really interesting because it highlights one of the ways that Donald Trump's detractors try to attack him. You can imagine a fact check saying that Trump didn't build 500 miles because there was already fence there. There was already a wall. So Donald Trump did not build this mile of wall, even though Donald Trump's wall is standing up right there. He only built 46 miles of new wall. And therefore, Donald Trump's claim gets added to the long list of lies told by Donald Trump. And there are these fact checks. PolitiFact had a fact check about exactly this issue that they ran last month. And their final ruling was Trump said he built nearly 500 miles of border wall. The total number of miles built during Trump's administration varies depending on how it's counted. Now, that is not true. The number of miles that Donald Trump built does not vary. That is a physical fact about the real world. Either Donald Trump's wall is there or it isn't. The number doesn't vary. What varies is whether or not the party involved is going to lie about where Donald Trump's wall is. One count based on Customs and Border Protection data puts the total at 458 miles. But the majority of those additions were replacements of existing smaller, dilapidated barriers and therefore did not add to the total miles of barriers along the southern border. Nevertheless, experts say Trump's replacement barriers shouldn't be discounted because in many cases, the new barriers are superior to the old ones. Trump's statement is partially accurate but leaves out important details or takes things out of context. We rate it half true. So they just backed up exactly what Donald Trump said to Megyn Kelly and then declared that because some people on their side of the wall would argue that there was already wall there, so Trump's wall shouldn't count, 
That means that Donald Trump's statement is only half true, even though it's 100% true exactly how he described it. And this is one of those hilarious things, because for all the people on the Uniparty left who think Donald Trump is some raging pathological liar, and all of the people on the Uniparty right who will say the same thing whenever it's convenient, this is how these claims go. Donald Trump says something true. They don't like his framing of a given issue. They have a way of saying that it's not really accurate. And because they're able to substantiate that in some way, even a way as unconvincing as this, that still means that Donald Trump is a liar because he didn't say the thing that they like instead. He didn't make himself look terrible. The real fact about the world is that nearly 500 miles of Donald Trump's wall now stand at our southern border. The fact that there used to be some small fence or gate or barbed wire doesn't mean that the mile of wall Donald Trump built of those 30 foot tall steel, concrete and rebar beams doesn't exist. These people are absolutely nuts. This is a psychological operation against the American people, and it has been for eight years. And because everyone is so conditioned to it and because the people with big platforms consistently promote some illusion of objectivity, always repeating the central narrative, the things everybody knows, people actually think it is somehow objective or unbiased to reiterate the most strongly anti-Trump biased statements imaginable. They think that that is objective. If they give Donald Trump any of the benefit of the doubt, including with something he's exactly right about, even according to the leftist fact checkers, that somehow makes them part of the cult. They're the cultists. They're the idolaters just for telling the basic obvious truth. There have been recent claims about how Donald Trump would use special forces and go attack the cartels in Mexico as if he is starting some unprovoked war, whereas Rob Disaster is just going to use military forces and kill the cartel as it comes across the border. As always, he has figured out the position that aligns with Trump's position and makes him sound a little bit more butch and a little bit more responsible. Old Rod really has Donald Trump cornered. And that's essentially what they do throughout their entire campaign. They're able to sound like tough guys to all the uniparty right villagers who listen to the uniparty right mainstream media while also being the most responsible and refined possible version of that much tougher position. It's everything you like about Donald Trump, but even more while also being super intelligent and responsible so that you don't have to deal with Donald Trump's downside. And hey, how great would life be if we could always just have more of the best thing and less of the worst things? Thank goodness Rigdy Meatball is around to be able to give us exactly that. Man, if only he didn't have to lie blatantly about the usurpation of our country. Gosh, he would be perfect. That if you're reelected, you would send special forces and quote other military assets to Mexico to stop the drug cartels. The Mexican president is very much against this. You're going to start a war? Well, he's a friend of mine. He's a great guy. He's a friend of mine. He's a socialist, but you can't have everything. And I think a lot of him and he thinks a lot of me were friends. And uh, he said the same thing happened to him. He had a rigged election years ago. He said the exact same thing happened to him. Uh, no, uh, I didn't say that. I Somebody said I said that. And actually was met with great applause, if you want to know the truth. They said that I said that at a meeting. 
So you're not going to use a pet. I'm not going to say what I'm going to do. I mean, I may do something. Something has to be done. Look, we're losing, I think, 300,000 people. Okay, but let me ask you, I, I get it, and, and I see to yeah. you that there's a serious problem. That, that's no, it's, we're losing more Americans. money than if we were actually in a war. But, but. Not money. A lot of the Republicans are saying lives. they're going to do this. We're losing more lives. If we were in a war, we wouldn't be losing, because I believe the number is 300,000. But we can't have a war with Mexico. Uh, no, it's a war on cartels. Mexico's petrified of the cartels. The cartels are running Mexico. But if we send our troops across the southern border, you know better than I do well, that I the Mexican president, sending, if he doesn't like it, yeah, we're in a war. I know, but well, I'm not too worried about that war. So that was a claim that was leaked out into the media about what Donald Trump would do vis-a-vis Mexico and the border problem, the cartel problem, the trafficking problems. Donald Trump said quite clearly he's not going to tell Megyn Kelly or anyone else what he's going to do because that destroys his leverage. He mentioned that AMLO had a rigged election. AMLO told him that he had the exact same thing happen to him years ago. Sounds like he and AMLO have talked. Which is funny because we've had reports about how the Mexican government is no longer communicating with the fake president's secretary of state. And he reiterates that this would not be a war against Mexico. This would be a war against the cartels in Mexico. And Mexico is petrified of these cartels. The cartels run Mexico. If you understand that the cartels are private armies of the global regime and that they are the muscle behind the international criminal enterprise operating in this region, then it immediately stops sounding like some war possibility with Mexico. It's so ridiculously immature and unsophisticated to even discuss it that way. But that is how... The Uniparty villagers discuss it because that's what the headlines say, and they want to figure out the worst possible interpretation of Donald Trump's position and then levy that against him. Donald Trump is speaking as a president, not as a candidate, and he says, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that war. That's a man who knows what he's talking about and is dealing with real world issues, not like Rigdy Meatball just suggesting that he's going to use his jets and fighters and tanks and blow them up. We're going to blow the hell out of the cartel. Sorry, I know Rigdy Meatball is a little bit more whiny than that. I didn't quite nail his voice. Now, after this immigration section, that's when the interview gets into COVID and it gets into the trans stuff. The part where the leading producer of trans content in this country, Matt Walsh, gets upset that Donald Trump couldn't say who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs fast enough, as if somehow he doesn't know. And then they begin talking about the indictments and the Presidential Records Act. Megyn Kelly seems to believe that all the indictments are very, very real and very, very serious, no matter how many times Donald Trump says he's not worried and that they're not serious and that they're not real. And that is a problem with being a uniparty villager. You assume that the TV must be telling you the truth because of how important this issue is and because other quote unquote smart people are also taking it seriously. Trump can say everything that has to do with these documents is covered by the Presidential Records Act. These are my personal property. I do not have to give them to anyone. They are unclassified because I, as the plenary authority on classification, can simply decide they're unclassified. And that is absolutely correct. And he lays that out. They don't even mention the Presidential Records Act. This is all about the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to have these documents. I'm allowed to take these documents, classified or not classified. And frankly, when I have them, they become unclassified. 
People think you have to go through a ritual. You don't, at, at least in my opinion, you don't. But it's even beyond that, because the Presidential Records Act allows you to do as president, only as president. Now, the other people that we talk about, including Biden, he wasn't president. So what he did is a different standard. And he should have real problems. They really should be talking about that, not about me. I did absolutely nothing wrong. Okay, but let's get to my question. Why would you be holding up a newspaper saying this is still secret? I'd have to I look at it. I could declassify it if I were look, president. I would have not. to look at it. But that's what well, you told I Brett Baer. You told Brett Baer that that was a newspaper. I could have declassified. No, I also told Brett Baer, as I remember, I don't know, it was a long time interview. Will you tell uh, me what were you I waving told, around? I in also that told Brett Baer that it wasn't a classified document. What were you waving around in that meeting? Because it certainly sounds like I'm not like going to talk to you about that because uh, that's already been, I think, very substantiated and there's no problem with it. It hasn't been substantiated. Jack Smith says Megan, it was let me just tell you. Let me and you told Brett Barrett. Let me tell you. Here we go again. I'm covered by the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do what I want to do. I'm allowed to have documents. The Presidential Records Act is civil, not criminal. That's in any way, it's that's civil. True. And I'm covered by it 100%. Now, Trump in this interview a couple of times and then in the Kristen Welker interview a couple of times says quite clearly, I'm not going to tell you about this or I'm not going to answer this. He's doing that because there are actual consequences to the things he's saying. He's not just making bullshit political statements and running through a list of platitudes and focus grouped statements in order to sound like the perfect candidate for everyone. He's answering real questions on issues with real stakes. We've discussed on this podcast before. There's been plenty of people working on this. It is pretty clear that Donald Trump was waving around an article about a potential military action regarding Iran. And while the issue itself may be classified and the world may not know what Trump was talking about in terms of the issue that doesn't make some newspaper article or magazine article classified. You can listen to the clip. The most likely possibility seems to be that Donald Trump is referring to an issue, the truth of which is classified and not referring to the article he's waving around in his hand, which isn't classified. And even if somehow it had been, Donald Trump, under his plenary authority as president, could have declassified it at will at any point. So he dispenses of that issue and then immediately it becomes about obstruction. OK, now they may be able to sue you civilly, not criminally. They may be. They don't even have that power, probably. But they may be able. But so listen, I get all the that. New York I, Times. I get all wait, that. But the, Megan, but the obstruction case isn't about that. The obstruction okay, case says, so, you, they okay, they, so even if you had the right to the documents, once you get the subpoena, you got to fork them over. The you subpoena ready? said, give us anything with a Are classified marking. Go ahead. This is just like the Mueller stuff. They create a fake crime and then they say you obstructed. This is a fake thing that they've done. And then they say it's always obstruction. They say, oh, he obstructed. He this, he that. And you know what they call obstruction? When you fight them. When you fight them, they call it obstruction. So they create a fake crime because there was no crime because I come under it. I don't want to sound boring to all of your many people. I hope you have a lot of people. You will. But you know what? They create a fake crime. And they did that with Mueller. They created a fake crime, a terrible fake thing that took two years. And then they said, all right, that's fake. But he obstructed. Uh, that's what they do here. They have a fake crime and I didn't obstruct anything. Okay, next.
So the National Archive wants these documents. They may be able to sue civilly, not criminally. But then if Trump doesn't do things exactly the way they want him to do things, well, then he's obstructing. And so then they can go after him for the crime of obstruction over a matter that was bullshit to begin with. He rightly points out that's what happened with the Mueller thing. And the important thing to notice here is that even when people are going along with what they're supposed to do and they are abiding by the law, the regime and the government in place have ways to go after you despite that. Even with subpoenas, there is still a legal process that can play out. He's allowed to contest these subpoenas and question the legality and appropriateness of the subpoenas. And going through that legally allowed process cannot be obstruction. If that legal process delays what the government wants to do, that's not obstruction either. And the claim is especially crazy coming from the people who wage constant lawfare in order to get their way when the law itself doesn't support what they want to do. A few minutes later, she brings up one of the main claims from the DeSantis simps over the last few weeks, maybe couple of months, that Donald Trump is actually ripping off all of his supporters, all the people who make small dollar donations to them. All that money is going to Donald Trump's legal defense rather than going to his quote unquote campaign. And he is ripping them all off. This billionaire is risking his life and his liberty in order to collect small dollar donations from normal Americans to defend himself against these charges from the regime. The DeSantis simps will say, oh, I think these charges are inappropriate. But then they'll shrug and say, but I guess they're real and he's in a serious threat right now. And it's apparent that all he cares about is getting normal Americans to pay his legal expenses. Ah, oh, those DeSantis simps always looking out for Trump supporters because they're too stupid to look out for themselves. Why would they waste their money on the defense of the duly elected president against political persecution by the global regime when instead they could spend that same money on ads for rigged meatball as he denies the obvious blatant fact that our elections are stolen in broad daylight on behalf of the regime that is now supporting Rod Disaster. You said to Hugh Hewitt you planned on testifying in your own defense at at least the Mar-a-Lago documents. All of them. I'll, all I'll do all of them. I mean, I have no problem with uh, talking about any of it. Question on the legal expenses. Uh, the report of the PACs have spent 40 million bucks so far defending all these cases. Yeah. Some people worry, how's he going to run a presidential campaign if all the Republican donations are going to fund the legal fees, which get more expensive when you have trials? So, well, that's why they're doing this. They have not only that, I have civil cases that are funded by them. They have a woman that I never met other than I guess I took a picture with her 25 years ago with her husband on a celebrity line. Uh, a woman that I never met, and she sued me. She wrote a book that I took her into Bergdorf Goodman into a room and did bad things to her. I said, where the hell did this come? I never, I have no idea who this woman is. She got a little picture of herself and her husband standing on a big celebrity line, shaking my hand, like from 25 years ago. She didn't know the date. She didn't know the location. She didn't know anything. She didn't know anything and an unbelievably hostile judge to me. In fact, she did an interview with Anderson Cooper. When you watch that interview, I'm a totally innocent man. But 
they, that case is financed, and you probably haven't heard this, by the Democrat Party and Democrats. She was recruited by some Democrats. To she was recruited by Democrats, that case. And it's, it's such a violation of the law. It's so, such a horrible thing. I have other cases, civil cases. I, wait a minute. I have civil cases where, Dem- and the reason they're doing it is they want to take as much of my time because they don't want to run against me. Just so you understand. But can you win? Can they you don't win? Want to run all the money is going to the lawyers instead of, you know, rallies and well, without the vote efforts. Fortunately, I have a lot more money than that. But a lot of money goes to the And I help other people because other people get dragged into these things. And we help a lot of other people. These people would be destroyed if we didn't help them. We have to help them. What about the people who are saying, well, I'm just going to give my... I, Ron DeSantis needs to get this. Or Tim Scott should win because... Then the money I donate will go toward... Well, I will say this. Uh, in the meantime, nobody's talking about them because it's only time to talk about me. You know, I've had that before, in all fairness. Nobody's talking about Ron DeSanctimonious. Nobody's talking about anybody. They're only talking about me. The Quinnipiac poll came out just before I walked in. I mean, it's 62 to, like, almost nothing. These people are at nothing. You have Asa Hutchinson's at zero. Why is he running? You have Chris Christie's at two. Why is he running? You have these people are very low. Nikki Haley's very low. They're all very low. Ron DeSantis is very low. Ron so the DeSantis simps believe that they are standing up for these stupid rubes, these Trump supporters who are giving Donald Trump money, and it's all going to his legal defenses and not to his campaign, as if somehow Donald Trump needs to run a traditional campaign. Donald Trump supporters want to see Donald Trump take down the deep state. The deep state is going after Donald Trump legally. Most Trump supporters I know, and people are not afraid to say this online, they say it all the time, but most Trump supporters I know want to see their money, if they're donating at all, going to whatever Donald Trump needs it to go to in order to take down the deep state. That is the point of Donald Trump. That's why people support Donald Trump. If the best way to do that right now is to defend Donald Trump against these bullshit charges, then that's what the money's for. They argue that this same money could be paid to Ron DeSantis or to Tim Scott or somebody else, and they would spend it on campaigning to beat Joe Biden. Hey, Donald Trump can just beat Joe Biden. You know how we do that? fix the elections because Donald Trump beat Joe Biden in 2020 by a lot and he'll do it again. And that statement is still for some reason controversial. But at the moment, the country fully accepts the evidence of election fraud and the fact that Joe Biden did not win and the fact that our elections are routinely stolen around the country because there's absolutely no reason why the people in power would let normal Americans decide who gets to hold power. All of these liars and frauds will be immediately exposed. They are facing an existential crisis, which is why they're going to these lengths to cover it up by removing Donald Trump from the picture. That's what all of this is for. If Donald Trump left the political arena on his own, all of these charges would go away immediately. And virtually everyone knows that. And none of these donors to Donald Trump want their money spent on commercials for Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott. Because as far as anyone can tell right now, those guys are denying election fraud, which is supporting the regime, which makes them complicit in the usurpation of this country and in treason. Why would anyone want their money going to support that? 
And for some reason, the rigged meatball team can't wrap their heads around that fact. They don't understand that people realize they are the problem. The DeSantis simps think they're going to convince people to give their money to Ron DeSantis when all of those people would rather have their money spent defeating Ron DeSantis and his simps. Trump supporters didn't cause that. Ron DeSantis and his simps caused that. Ron DeSantis would be in a better position now, running a more successful campaign, if he was running as Donald Trump's understudy. And the funny thing is that Vivek Ramaswamy, coming out of nowhere, is essentially doing that and outperforming Ron DeSantis. And as you caught at the end of the clip there, Trump said Ron DeSantis, and Megyn Kelly asks him where the name comes from. DeSantis is at 11 or 12, and I'm at 62. I have other polls where I'm in 70s, and he's in the you know, twos. Why do you call him Ron DeSantis? Why do you call him Ron DeSantis? Sanctimonious, sanctimonious. But the reason in Sanctus is DeSantis is just sort of an abbreviation. Um, He was running, left Congress, was running for the governor of Florida. He was being decimated. He had no chance. He was uh, wiped out. And he came to see me. I didn't know him very much at all. But what I did know is that he was on television along with 150 other congressmen, Republicans that talked about impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, and they'd say I was innocent. And they turned out to be right. By the way, those two, that phone call was perfect. My Georgia phone call was even more perfect. But the phone call was perfect with all the stuff. You once asked me a question, what about the phone call? It turned out not only was it perfect, all of this stuff that's happening now shows that Donald Trump was right on that phone call when I spoke to the president of Ukraine. Anyway, Ron DeSanctimonious comes in and he said, could you endorse me? Because I think I could win. I said, Ron, you're so far behind. You don't have a chance. You're, you're dead. He said, but I didn't know. He was running against uh, the man who was the secretary of Ag- agriculture. I think his name, Adam Putnam. And he was up by 30 or 40 points. It was over. It was over. He said, if you endorse me, you're so popular in Florida, if you endorse me, I will win, I believe. I say, you know, I think if we brought back Abraham Lincoln and George Washington, I don't know if it's going to help, but let's give it a shot, okay? Because I didn't know Adam Putnam. In retrospect, perhaps I would have endorsed him instead because I wouldn't have had to do much endorsing because he had already, it was one, the thing was over. He was already measuring the carpets. So what happened is I endorsed him and he became a rocket ship. And he ended up winning a primary very shortly thereafter for, by a lot, you know, by a landslide. Adam Putnam, it was like a, it was like a bomb went off. Wait. And then he said, I'm not going to win against Paul because he was, if you remember, he turned out to be a crackhead. But he was, he was a very popular um, person, running, a good looking guy, running African-American, running for governor on the Democrat side. Along Stacey Abrams, he and Stacey Abrams were the two hot politicians in the Democrat Party. So polls were looking bad for Ron. I said, you know what, Ron, we'll do two or three rallies. We'll do Trump, big, beautiful Trump rallies for you. I'm going to get you in. And I did, I guess, a couple, maybe three. Uh, big, big, beautiful rallies. I said, you're going to win. He said, I don't think so. I said, you're going to win. I'm telling you, you're going to win. And he won, okay? And then four years later, they said, would you run against the president. He said, I have no comment. I said, he said he had no comment. That means to me he's running. 
So I started hitting him very hard. Some people said, sir, he's a Republican. You shouldn't hit him. I said, no, I, we're going we're gonna to hit him very hard because he's very disloyal. So when I say sanctimonious, uh, that's what I mean. He's uh, a very terrible thing, I think he did. You know, I'm a loyalist. I'm a loyal person. Here's another thing. A lot of the consultants, you know, these great genius consultants, you pay them all this money, they don't know anything. They said, don't bring it up, sir, that he was disloyal, because the people don't care if he was loyal to you or not. I said, I think they do. I was right. So I've driven him down to almost nothing. I don't even think he's going to be in second place much longer. But second place is like 60 points below me, 60 points. The poll that just came out, in fact, the commentators were saying, this is crazy. Yeah. This isn't even a race. No, you're way ahead in the, on the Republican primary contest. Like, excuse me, like nobody's ever seen before. Let's talk about... To the extent that anything about Ron DeSantis' campaign is real, Donald Trump is right. You cannot just go out and deny election fraud, especially not as someone who Donald Trump has supported in the past. Donald Trump made Ron DeSantis governor of Florida in 2018. Ron DeSantis is not only disloyal to Donald Trump and the America First movement, he's disloyal to Florida voters who he told last year and took money from, by the way, who he told last year he was going to be their governor for four more years. And before he was even reelected, it was very clear that he was running for the Republican nomination and had an entire team set up around him to support that primary run. People need to stop pretending this is some normal primary where all the candidates just get to go out and explain why they're the best. And then the people get to vote as if all the votes work. If any of these other Republican candidates cared about the country, at least to the extent that them running for this nomination is real. And again, everything changes if it's not real. But to the extent it's real, what they should be doing is helping Donald Trump expose the election rigging system and expose the deep state. They would all become heroes to this country. And instead, at least with a surface interpretation, they are supporting the regime that steals elections. They want to win a rigged primary so that they can then win a rigged general election. This is explicitly what they want to do. That would mean we have stolen elections forever and the people supporting them are arguing that they need to win a rigged election because somehow that's how we're going to fix elections. And that brings us to yet another DeSantis simp argument that Megyn Kelly asks Donald Trump about. This is one of their main refrains over the last couple of months. Oh, so you're saying elections are rigged? What is Donald Trump's plan to unrig them? They think that is some great slam against Donald Trump and his supporters, that no one can answer this question. The answer to that question is, we're going to let the entire country know and see how elections in this country are rigged. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to help us do that on the other side, whether he's trying to help us in particular or not. His candidacy is going to help us achieve that goal. The answer is not and cannot be. We need to win a rigged election. And then once that candidate wins that rigged election, oh, that candidate is going to go in and fix that election system that allowed him to rise to power. That is absolutely ridiculous. And that is the argument they make. 
They say we need someone other than Trump because that's the person who can win a rigged election. Donald Trump just, quote, turns off too many voters in the middle. You know what's going to turn off voters in the middle? Realizing that they don't have a vote and that they don't have a voice and that the regime doesn't care what they think about anything. That's going to turn those people off. And they're beginning to realize it already. Wait till they see the DNC and RNC rig the primaries. That'll turn them off. And where will they turn at that point? They're not going to turn to any of the candidates who have spent the last three years claiming that our elections are free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results accurately reflect the will and intent of the voters. All of these people have put themselves in an absolute catch-22, and all of their anti-Trump supporters are apparently too dumb to realize or accept this. This is an irrefutable fact about the world, and it's not going away. Even if Donald Trump disappeared, there are tens and tens of millions of Americans who know our elections are stolen, and they're not just going to go back to sleep and vote for Rigdy Meatball so that someone with a little R next to their name can seize illegitimate power rather than the guy with a little D next to their name who's there right now. So that's my answer, but let's see how Donald Trump responds. The actual general election, though, for a second. Okay. This is the second I'm way ahead most, of Biden also, by the way. This is the second most requested question okay. that my audience had for you. Everyone knows you think 2020 was rigged. How are you going to unrig it okay. in 2024? I get that question a lot, too. Look, they use COVID to cheat. They cheat anyway, because how can you win elections? Open borders, high taxes, high interest rates, no voter ID. I mean, everything they do is like April Fool's Day. It's the opposite, okay? They have horrible policy. They're only good at cheating on elections. You want to know the truth. And I get the question, too. We have unbelievable people, and we're going to be fighting like hell. Because if I don't win the election, meaning this philosophy, this thought, but if I don't win the election, uh, I think our country is finished. I think it's the most important election we've ever had. If I don't win this election, like you talk to me about all of the different prosecutions, these aren't prosecutions. These aren't indictments. These are Biden indictments. This is a different. This isn't God coming down from high and indicting you. for. This is crooked Joe Biden. He's crooked as a $3 bill. He used to say $2 bill, but we have a few of them around. Uh, he's a crooked guy. He's a crooked politician. And he said, indict my political opponent. So when they say, indi- you know, it's very interesting, the press... First, they start that way. But then with time, they say, oh, well, he's under indictment. No, these are all Biden indictments, including the DA's office. You know, he put his top guy in the DA's office in Manhattan. And everybody says it's not even a case. I mean, it shouldn't even be brought. You've yeah. seen that. You've heard that. You probably. I've said that. Okay. It's a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous. Case. But they put, he put his top people in the DA. He's dealing with Fannie Willis in Atlanta. It's all a hoax. I know, but, but, but here's the thing. No, but here's, it's very who, important for people to know Because Republicans this. are bummed out. They're thinking, I'm not even going to vote. Forget it. My vote's not going to count. It's just the opposite. They're, you know, they're going to get it they're by the mail-in ballots again. They're going to vote in numbers that you've never seen before because they see what's happening. Should and they do the mail-in? Should the GOP voters do the mail-in? I, I, okay, here's what... So Donald Trump doesn't answer that question in the way the DeSantis simps want that question answered. They set their question to us up, to Donald Trump up 
by asking specifically, what are you going to do with the structure of these elections in order to unrig the system and take the regime's power to rig the system away from the regime? As if there's going to be a massive movement to go out and change election laws in certain states between now and next November, and that's going to make it so elections can't be rigged. They understand that that's not going to happen, and they believe that in the absence of that happening, the regime will still be able to rig the election and therefore Donald Trump will lose. And somehow they think this is an argument for their side. They accept as the premise of the question that elections are rigged and without proposing any answer on how to fix that, they simply assert that Ron DeSantis will be more popular and defeat the rigging. Again, suggesting that Ron DeSantis will be allowed by the regime to win a rigged election. And of course, these people don't know the first thing about how our elections are rigged. They don't understand the system at all. They've been told a series of totally wrong things by the conservative incorporated media and influencers. And they've been convinced that the way we can win is by doing the regime's system better than the regime. We're going to go vote early. We're going to ballot harvest. We're going to take advantage of the mail-in balloting system. We're going to do all the things the regime does, the things that the regime has set up to allow them to win elections. We're just going to do it better because Ron DeSantis is going to manage our way through that. But the problem is they don't even really make that case. They just say because there's no plan on how to unrig the election, we should assume and pretend that the elections aren't rigged and then just support the guy that they believe will find more support from the people in the middle, the people they believe Donald Trump turns off. Again, Ron DeSantis is almost in the single digits in the Republican primary polling. Ron DeSantis is not going to get any of the Trump base under any circumstances. Maybe he'll get 5%, 10%. But Donald Trump supporters are not getting on board with rigged meatball under any circumstances. In fact, if somehow the GOP rigged and stole the primary and excluded Donald Trump from the Republican nomination, Donald Trump supporters would support a third party run by Donald Trump and or lead a write-in campaign on our own. There is no circumstance under which the majority of Donald Trump supporters go out and vote for Ron DeSantis in the general election if the GOP establishment rigs and steals the primary. It's just not going to happen. There is zero chance. And the Ron DeSantis people depend on all of Donald Trump supporters falling in line with the Republican Party after being told how important it is to defeat Joe Biden by the very people who chose to cover up the fact that Joe Biden didn't win the 2020 election in the first place. All of these people are welcome to recognize this fact and join us, but it's not happening in the other direction. There is zero chance of that happening. Not only will Rod Disaster not convince people in the middle, he is going to lose the entire MAGA base, the entire base. The entire Ron DeSantis campaign has centered around attacking Donald Trump and his supporters using the same tactics that the Uniparty left uses. And for the same justifications, Trump is stupid and weak and incompetent and reckless and a narcissist. And all his reporters are morons and rubes who will fall for anything. They're the conspiracy theorists. They're not serious people. They're the uneducated, unwashed masses. 
All of MAGA is familiar with what they're doing, and no one is going to go out and support that. So Megyn Kelly then asks whether or not the mail-in balloting and ballot harvesting, that whole strategy is appropriate. We can't allow. Yeah, I would, I would say let them do it either way. You know, I'm less on that. I like the Tuesday stuff. But then you see what happened to Carrie Lake, where all the machines were broken, or a big portion of them. Wouldn't it be smarter to bank some vote before Well, no, you could, but day? the problem is they throw the votes out. I mean, it's crooked. We have a... Wait, wait, wait. So be clear. What is the message to the voters? Do you want them to do the, the uh, vote in, the mail-in vote, or no? Everybody, people say yes, do it. I, we have a bigger problem. I believe they send in fake ballots. Okay, that's the bigger problem. That's your third problem. I believe they send in a lot of fake ballots. And when you look at some of these elections, in Pennsylvania, I was leading by so much at 930. And they, all of a sudden, voila, they happen to find a lot of ballots. Our elections are crooked. Our elections are rigged. Our borders are open. Our country's in trouble. Our country's in trouble. And now they're arresting and indicting their political opponents. You know what this means, what they did? If I won, I could say, oh, let's see, who's running against me? Uh, some Democrats run, always oh, very popular, because I'm leading Biden in all the polls, just about all the polls, by some very, very big numbers. I could say, oh, I don't want to run against him. I call my attorney general, I say, will you do me a favor, indict him for something? Yeah. And. The good thing with me, I have a voice. So I can sit here with you. I can sit here with other people. I can at least, a lot of people don't have that voice. You know, if they get indicted, that's, they're out of politics. They have to announce within an hour that they're going to drop out of the race. That would be the norm. But what they've done is they've made this like the norm. I can sit there and say, well, you know, I don't like this guy. This guy's beating me in the polls. Indict him. But this this is, is, very, is a very dangerous this thing. This is very thinking. scary for you. So what Trump is doing here is he is taking away the claims that can be made against him. If he comes out in full support of mail-in voting and ballot harvesting, then he is supporting the very system that allows the regime to win elections. And that is what people are doing when they are talking about early voting, mail-in balloting, ballot harvesting. Doing that on the uniparty right is no different than doing it on the uniparty left. This is the system they want. They want all Americans to take part in that system. They don't want people voting in person on election day. They don't want hand-marked paper ballots. They don't want anything that can be reviewed and confirmed. And the people supporting all of that stuff are not doing so for the benefit of the American people. And they're not doing so because they think that that's going to allow them to win. It's what convinces Americans and conditions Americans to go along with the rigged election system. Trump is right that they throw votes out that come in early. They also use that early voting data to figure out who hasn't voted yet to figure out which voters in the voter registry database can still have their votes voted for them. The election fraud, election rigging system thrives on data. And when you participate in that system before the day of the election, they get more data about what they need to do in order to produce the outcomes they must produce. The people supporting mail-in balloting, early voting, and ballot harvesting know all of that. Now, we can give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're black-pilled and don't think anything's going to be fixed, and so they are just being pragmatic and doing the best they can in a bad situation. 
But it's likely much worse than that. It's likely that they know exactly what they're doing and they're happy to support the uniparty structure in power and maintain the election system that allows that uniparty to stay in power forever. It doesn't matter how MAGA they sound or how many America first things they say or how much they talk about how Republicans need to win. They are supporting the system that allows the uniparty to rig elections, period. There's no avoiding that. Now, I'm going to make an executive decision and not get into the Kristen Welker interview today. I will try to get an episode out on that tomorrow. But I really did want to cover this Megyn Kelly interview because the narrative that the DeSantis simps tried to put out there was that Trump supporters are somehow afraid of this interview. Donald Trump did so bad with Megyn Kelly that no one even wants to touch it. And of course, they're going to try that because they want everybody to focus on the things they're focused on. Now, Dave Rubin, if you'll recall, said in his response that he was going to give Donald Trump free advice. Hey, Trump, this is free advice for you from Dave Rubin. Here's what you have to do. Admit you're wrong about the things we say you're wrong about. And then the country, the people like us, they believe they represent the country. The people like us will finally admit that you're not lying all the time. And that's really what they're going for. They're saying, hey, Donald Trump, we will stop calling you a liar if you admit that you were wrong about everything COVID and that we were right, even though you were right when we were wrong and we were saying you were wrong anyway throughout the entire time. Just admit that we were the right ones and then we will stop calling you a liar, at least about COVID. We will just call you a liar about other things. Just please confirm that we were right the whole time about this thing we don't know all that much about. Admit you were wrong. Admit you were lying. And then we will just move on to a different subject and call you a liar and say you were wrong about that thing. Instead, we have plenty of them in store. And it should be obvious that we are more than happy to just make these things up and criticize you for things we've made up. Again, same tactic from the Uniparty left, same thing we've seen from the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right for over eight years now. Get Donald Trump to agree with them that the central narrative about this subject or that subject actually has it right and that Donald Trump is wrong. Donald Trump's supporters are wrong. They're as stupid and narcissistic and incompetent as the Uniparty left and right have always said they are. They just need Donald Trump to agree with the central narrative about something so that they can then turn around and try to bludgeon Donald Trump and America first with that. It's failed for eight years, but sooner or later, it has to work, right? I mean, these guys are the smartest people, quote unquote, on the right. And that's why they have the biggest platforms. And that's why they make a million dollars a week, because they are the most right. They are the smartest people. They are always right. And I mean, knowing that makes it a little bit more difficult to explain why they have taken the rising star of the GOP and destroyed his entire career being right all the time and whatnot. But we're just going to have to believe them because they are telling the objective truth according to them. They just need Donald Trump to admit they've been right the whole time because they're right about everything. They know the objective truth. Now, it'll eventually be understood by all Americans that our elections are stolen all across the country at every level. And at that point, these people are going to look like the morons and grifters and traitors that they are. And how will Donald Trump look at that point? 
Will he look stupid and narcissistic and incompetent? Will he look like a conspiracy theorist when people do understand that he won in 2020 by a lot? And what about Carrie Lake? How many things have these uniparty right losers lied about and been wrong about over the last few years? I actually touched on this in an episode of Devolution Power Hour on Saturday night and a hat tip to Green Star 17 who pulled this. I'll say this, though, in terms of verifying, like whether we're right or wrong and whether the stuff we're saying is true or false. How many, you know, we we will propose a series of options, right? And say, I think this might be happening or this or this, and it would be this because of this reason. Or, and we try to be as open and transparent about our thought process as we can. Now, you'd look at something like COVID or the very violent insurrection or election fraud, any one of these big issues, Ukraine. And uh, have we had to change our opinion directionally or even about a lot of significant details? And the answer is consistently no. Whereas we have all of these people from the establishment and from the mainstream media, all the normies, the uniparty right uh, influencers, all the standard issue villagers out there, they are changing their opinions all the time to conform to what we were saying a long time ago. So, you know, are we always going to be right? Of course not. We're probably wrong about things we're saying in this conversation. And we're probably going to find out that we're wrong about a, two or three major things by the end of this. Like things that we just got that we missed by a long shot. We had faith in someone who, who was absolutely wrong. We thought someone was a bad guy and they're doing really good and we just missed stuff. But we are never, ever reverting to what those assholes are saying, and we're never trying to catch up with them. So so there really is, like, you can judge things just based on that alone. Yep. Well said. We need that clipped out. That that should be on our website. Now, I don't know if that's going to be on the website, but it is correct. There's not a single point at which we have changed our position to conform to all of these uniparty villagers, all of these people supporting Ron DeSantis. There's not one time where they were right about something and we changed our position to correspond to their position. That's not true the other way around. They have countless positions that they have adopted now about things we were saying well before they were saying them. And they're still calling us conspiracy theorists. They're still pretending we're the stupid ones, that we're the ones who don't know what we're talking about while they conform to the central narrative. They are so concerned about being taken seriously that they have become a joke and they're out there calling us cultists and idolaters. They think that they know more than Donald Trump, despite the fact that he was president and had better access to information than anyone on the planet. They still side with their interpretation of what they saw on TV and read in the mainstream media. And they think that that is smart and responsible. They think that is what serious people do. And consider for a second, consider Megyn Kelly's audience. They're not conspiracy theorists. She doesn't have a largely America first or MAGA audience. She has a lot of middle of the road followers of the central narrative. Some of them skew right of center. Some of them are even conservatives who just like Megyn Kelly and like her guests and all good. But a lot of her audience is average suburban wine moms, people of the upper middle class, a lot of people who would have 
called themselves Democrats a few years ago, people who probably voted for Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and have since realized that maybe that wasn't a great idea. And Donald Trump knows that. He knows that when he's doing an interview with Megyn Kelly, those are the people he's going to be talking to. So he's not going to go into that interview and try to offend and upset them. That's not stupid or dishonest. That is smart because Donald Trump understands that he is president of all Americans. And he says that quite a lot. And people can assume that he just means that figuratively. He's just saying when he is in the office of president, he is president of all Americans. He wants to be president again. And when he will be president, he is president of all Americans. But that's not how he says it. He says it in the present tense. And here it is. I will leave it up to you to decide what it is he means. You know, the two sides, you have two sides. But I believe that our side in the look, I represent everybody as president. I represent everybody. So but I believe that uh, the people that love this country and that want to make it great again, that really want to make it, uh, you know, sustainable because it's not sustainable right now. uh, I believe they far outweigh the other side. And uh, so when you say, would I like to be at uh, Turnbury in Scotland right now? Or would I like to be at one of the many places I have, the, the, the greatest places? I may never see those places again. But I think this is very important. I think that we're going to save our country. I think we're going to win the election. I'm beating Biden by a lot. I'm beating the Republicans by numbers nobody's ever seen before. But I'm beating Biden by a lot. And I'll turn it around and I'll turn it around fast. Donald Trump knows more about what is going on than all of his detractors do. Anyone questioning that has a serious misunderstanding of what is happening in the world right now. It is incredible to me that all of the anti-Trump people, the Trump haters out there, the people who think that Donald Trump is stupid and weak and narcissistic and reckless and that his supporters are uneducated, unserious rubes and conspiracy theorists. All of them believe that because, despite all evidence to the contrary, they think that they are smarter and stronger and better informed with better judgment than Donald Trump and everyone who supports them, despite all evidence to the contrary. These people have been wrong about almost everything for eight years running, and they still believe that their opinions and their knowledge are unassailable even though they don't understand the first thing about most of what we discuss. And it's not like the information is unavailable. It's not like we won't sit down and explain it to them. They just think this entire segment of knowledge is pointless. It's all wrong because of who believes it, because they're in a hate movement. They don't want to be seen believing the things that we believe. Oh, no, not the conspiracy theorists. The conspiracy theorists can't be right. I don't know what the right answer is, but I know it's not something that the conspiracy theorists say. So they remain at the intellectual kids table and they ignore all possible knowledge that might come from our side of the fence. Most of these people went along with lockdowns. They went along with masks. They went along with the whole covid regime in general. A lot of them got vaccinated. They deny election fraud. They agreed that January 6th was a very violent insurrection by those dangerous Trump supporters. They supported the war in Ukraine. 
and they just keep on going as the country falls apart because they're not allowed to engage with the knowledge coming from outside the central narrative. And because they want to remain in the party of false decorum, they will continue down that path until it destroys them. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon 
down on the range. It's hell!